Hey everybody, we are back for another episode of the Ship Show series. Today is Thursday, April 20th, 2023, and this is episode number 14 on our yearly series. Well, it's that time again, and today's episode is all about the Freight Market Roundup, the FMR. Uh, I'm going solo today as my co-host, Jason Brand, is out somewhere in the Caribbean kicking it with his new bride. So we will see Jason next week, but let's jump in and take a deep dive. So a lot of really interesting stuff going on with the market conditions right now. Um, I think there's a few trends to watch that I'd really like to highlight. Let me give you a couple of quick hits. So let's talk about ocean freight. So blank sailings have been around 64% from Asia to North America lanes in the first three months of the year, which is really about a, uh, it's really a slight uptick in the percentage from the 2022 averages. So sale, blank ceilings are up at around 64%. Uh, and we expect them to continue to go up as the carriers try to um, get some stabilization to the market in their, in their mind, in their eyes. But as a result, I think, the total effective deployment is at the lowest it's been since before the before, uh, before the pandemic. So it's a really interesting dynamic. And as we continue to talk about ocean freight, we we also need to understand that the volume for intra-America trade lanes has softened across the board. So there's a lot of multiple reasons for this. There's still a big backlog in inventory overstack, uh, um, slack seasonability. And also the high inflation rates in many of the key countries like Brazil and Chile and Colombia, when we talk about uh, freight in North America, the inter-America trade lanes, um, we're really seeing, um, you know, effects with that volume because of that. We're seeing that down. Now, when we talk about air freight, uh, what's really interesting is that runway maintenance at the Shanghai import is really impacting capacity from China. We were speaking to a couple of our partners just yesterday over in China talking about the situation and uh, it's really impacted flights. And, and although there is still enough capacity to move the demand and there are no backlogs as of now, um, we really believe that the rates from China will likely go up soon as a result of this runway maintenance, um, fixing runways, putting in new infrastructure, things like that. So that's going to affect air freight markets coming out of Shanghai um, in, the, in the short term, I'd say, for probably at least the next uh, 45 days. And then moving on with another quick hit about air freight, uh, on the Far East westbound, the FEWB lane, the market really has picked up and we see less volatility from major gateways. Now, airlines are holding rates high for the ongoing negotiation season. And honestly, I've been very encouraged by uh, some of the positive yields we're seeing in the second part of March, but um, I still don't anticipate the market going back to the low, the, uh, you know, uh, as we saw in, in Q1, uh, where the rates were at their lowest they've been from that Far East westbound trade lane for air freight. So that's something we need to keep a close eye on. And then when we think about trucking, uh, let's focus up in Canada for a minute, because there is a lot of cross-border traffic in the United States in Canada. But 
you know, now that we have the spring thaw uh, out in Canada, there's something called spring thaw weight rules. And these rules are being implemented in Montreal. Uh, they were implemented back on March 20th, and they're going to be in, in effect until May 19th um, uh, during this period, which a lot of heavy vehicle, um, you know, heavy, heavy vehicles with heavy loads, uh, load limits, they're reduced on all public roads during this uh, spring thaw time because there's still a lot of rock slides, a lot of flooding, uh, still some issues with some other areas of the infrastructure. So during this time, carriers can only handle up to 40,000 pounds of cargo, uh, especially in that cross-border area and moving into Montreal. But really, um, one of the main things I'd really like to touch on today is the container spot rates. And uh, Jason and I and some of our other um, leaders within SES really believe that uh, we're on a likely uh, path to recovery with the container spot rate in that market right now. And uh, spot container freight rates have really started to stabilize. And I was looking at something and the Shanghai Containerized Freight Index, the SCFI, has climbed 8% week on week and was up 14% from the recent data, even though overall um, the freight exchange, the Shanghai Containerized Freight uh, Index is still down 7% overall from the start of 2023. But it does really seem to, to mark a turnaround from more than a year-long plunge in container spot rates. You know, last year, Jason and I predicted that we'd see a correction of at least 40 to 50%. Um, we didn't expect to see more than an 80% market, you know, correction as we moved into this year. We knew there would be some correction as a result of high inflation and the, the inland quayside congestions and bottlenecks, not only in the States, but all over the world. Um, but it really does seem to be to mark a turnaround, okay, as I mentioned. And, you know, we've seen these container spot rates plunge, you know, 84% from a record high of $10,377 per FEU in September of 21. And that was reported by Drury, which is the World Container Index, okay. Uh, and, you know, as of last Thursday, the WCI, the World Container Index, remained largely flat at 1709 per FEU, 1,709 bucks. So think about it, 10,377 back in September of 21, and now we're already down to 1,709 bucks per 40-foot container. So it's really interesting to see how that goes. And, you know, one of the things I saw was O&E saw their Q3 profit profit halved as container spot rates, you know, plunged, you know, from last year up until now, you know, it really took a big chunk out of their profits and their, you know, their profits were halved in the third quarter and fourth quarter of last year. I thought that was a neat anecdotal note. But in fact, we have noticed that the decline in the market freight rates has been tapering since December as they have already come close to, you know, market break even levels. And we really expect the market spot rates to stabilize at current levels in the coming months. 
and gain support for incremental improvements, which is a code word for increases in volumes um, in 2023. So, you know, I mean, I think we feel that we're at a break-even level, but at the same time, I think the consensus in the industry as a whole is that the, the spot rates are starting to stabilize. And it's also really important to note that, excuse me, that the time trotter index for container ships had also recovered by 13% from its low in mid-February. Okay. And so that's another sign that the spot rates were not just stabilizing, but they were on a path to recover because that means that even though there are all these huge container ship lines out there, like, um, you know, Evergreen and Hagpag Lloyd and CMA, just to name a few, um, they all don't have enough vessels. So sometimes they have to go out and do slot charters and time charters to charter more vessels you know, to add space to their rotation. So, you know, that's kind of a positive note that we're seeing that that uh, is up from February by 13%. And, you know, what was really interesting and related to that was that Zim, okay, Zim Container Lines really set the market or the floor for the trans-Pacific contract rates, uh, container rates this season. If you go and do any research on, the contract season this year, you'll see that Zim came out very aggressively and has really set the standard for what uh, those rates would be. Now, carriers are saying, uh, you know, both shippers and liners, they know that there is a middle range that is really, how do we say, the natural equilibrium that should, um, that everyone should tend and lean towards. But if it doesn't happen, though, and shippers insist on extremely low rates, um, there there's a warning from the carriers that there's going to be a serious impact to their service levels, which is a real interesting rub because, you know, the container ship lines made more profit in the last three years than they did in the last, you know, 10 years in the last decade. And now that the market is corrected and it's a shipper's market, and it's a good impact for importers and exporters, okay, which is a great thing to see. Now the carriers are saying, hey, we can't operate our vessels and be profitable right now uh, with the way the market has corrected on the rate levels. So, you know, if we can't all come to a consensus and agree to a, a natural equilibrium or rate that everyone should kind of, you know, that, that should set the standard for the market, it's going to impact them operating and maintaining their service level levels. And, and, you know, and they're, they're putting it out there and firing a shot across the bow that, you know, these kind of disruptions might affect shippers as well. If we, you know, if they don't get the rates that they believe makes sense for them to continue sailing. And, and actually one steamship line came out and said, Hey, if we don't get the rates that, you know, that we need to, to get, you know, to have the right margins and be profitable, we're going to stop sailing and we'll just pull whole vessel strings out of that rotation. So, you know, that kind of thing, I don't think will happen. I think it's a lot of saber rattling right now, but you know, if that were to happen, it would have a drastic effect on our ability of our customers to secure their price, you know, their supply chains, it would affect everybody. So, I mean, uh, there is the threat 
that's out there for all of this. And as I've always, you guys have always heard Jason and I say, it's a real cartel mentality and it's a very sad situation to kind of, you know, hear these kind of things coming out of the container ship line industry right now about the pricing and the way market has corrected. Now, I think in another positive sign though, Chinese exports also rose 15% year on year in March and that reversed five consecutive months of decline. So that's also a bit of positive news um, that, you know, those exports coming out of China, coming into the U.S. are rising and are reversing. Um, but the continued threat of labor disruptions at U.S. West Coast ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, as the negotiations with the unions continue to drag on, um, you know, we're going to touch on that a little bit later here in the show, but you know, the fact that these negotiations have been dragging on since last year, this could also benefit the container line industry in their negotiations with their clients, with the BCOs, the beneficiary cargo owners, okay, in their negotiations for contracts this year. But we would like to argue that this will likely further encourage beneficial cargo owners to sign contracts above the spot rates to ensure service reliabilities. So that's really something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, but however, though, looking further, we see potential downside risk in 2024 with the dissolving of the 2M alliance, you know, which Jason and I have talked about many of these big alliances, whether it was O&E or 2M or the Alliance, these guys are starting to break up now, okay? And everybody's going to become their own independent carrier the way it used to be. And, and that breakup with 2M Alliance doesn't officially start until the beginning of 2025, which could result in intensifying competition in the run-up. So, I mean, I think the big focus container market right now is normalization, you know, and uh, indicating that the reliability has now improved and is now far exceeding 50%. Okay. So the vessel on time reliability is exceeding 50% reliability while the congestion has decreased quayside here in the States and in a lot of other ports around the world. So I think another aspect of the return to normal with the way these rates have been plummeting is the reduced import demand into the States against the backdrop of all these excess inventories. And I was just talking to one of our great clients uh, out in Grand Rapids, which works in the uh, food and beverage world with a lot of their products. And they just have so much inventory right now. And with the way consumer spending habits are down and spending is down and inflation right now, um, you know, the inventories are just, you know, still in excess. So it's another thing we have to keep an eye on. And I think another index of reliability that we could look at, which dropped slightly during January, which was considered normal due to the Lunar New Year, it, it's not a sign to worry that the market is deteriorating the way it has been. Uh, but it did hint at a further rate reduction on the horizon in this season of contract renewals as rates have settled out at multi-year lows. So, you know, with these slides suggesting that the carriers have been able to, you know, have been unable to stem the tide of, you know, via traditional means uh, 
um, you know, like blank sailings and scrapping vessels and taking vessels out of a rotation. You know, uh, I think right now, you know, that's what they mean by traditional means. I think right now everyone is engaged in what can be considered a price war. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. Something we're all going to have to watch very closely because um, even though all these carriers are all fat cats right now, they made so much money the last three years than they did the previous 10 years. And now that the market has corrected, as I mentioned earlier, um, and it's not profitable, uh, according to what they're saying for them to, to keep sailing, it's definitely something we have to, we have to keep looking at, uh, and, and it, it really, you know, watches, you know, merits some scrutiny because we are in a bit of a price war right now. And I think looking specifically at the U S facing routes, those routes that are coming, um, westbound transatlantic, uh, that's still up about $4,000 per 40 foot container per FEO. Uh, and, um, you know, that East Coast market of the U.S., that transatlantic market has really benefited greatly as cargo shifted from the West Coast. Um, and so, you know, it was called out as slow to normalize as rates make their way down. But I think that price has now stabilized on the East Coast. But, you know, we shall see where this goes and we're going to have to keep a close watch on it. But let's gear shift real quick and talk about some of the labor issues that are going to affect the market conditions as we go through the summer. Um, so one thing I think we want everyone to know about is uh, the uh, strike, the CBSA strike that went into effect on April 18th. So the Public Service Alliance of Canada, the, the PSAC, uh, and the Canadian Border Service Agencies, the CBSA, they roughly have about 159,000 public servants. And so they are striking right now up in Canada uh, as because they couldn't reach an agreement um, on April 18th at 9 by 9 p.m. So, uh, you know, it's something that we're kind of watching right now. We're also seeing some volatility on the West Coast because when we, you know, think about the ILWU ne negotiations, let's close it out. Let's close out today's show with some information about the ILWU negotiations on the West Coast, which we know they've been negotiating since this time last year, since last May, and they still don't have an agreement. Okay. You know, labor shortages at the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach, which is the busiest ocean trade gateway in the United States has resulted in significant disruptions. I mean, just last Thursday evening, actions by the International Longshoremen's Warehouse Union caused a substantial number of workers, including cargo operators, to fail to show up for work, according to the PMA, which is the Pacific Maritime Association. And I have some friends out there that work at the PMA. And you know, the ongoing labor negotiations between the ILWU and the employers down there at the port have been tense for many months. OK, and it's really all about automation. That's the biggest sticking point right now. Um, government and MTOs, marine terminal operators want to inject more automation into the uh, port operations. But the union members and, you know, we all understand why 
um, they're not down for this because it's going to take jobs away. And, you know, during the Easter holiday, just, you know, a couple of weeks ago during Good Friday, the, L- the ILWU uh, stated that, you know, they were going to implement a slowdown due to workers attending a m- monthly membership meeting and observing Good Friday holiday. Okay. So, um, you know, ILWU Local 13, which represents union members in both ports in LA and Long Beach, confirmed that the cargo operations were ongoing, but at a reduced pace, you know, and workers did remain on the job, but there was a big slowdown in working. So, you know, you could only imagine if we were still, you know, having major congestion and bottleneck issues, if they had to slow down, it would be a mess. But I think the Port of Long Beach temporarily closed four of its six terminals uh, just last week when workers didn't show up last Friday morning, um, you know, for regular operations. And and I think there, you know, it was like a one day uh, walkout, but those operations resumed last Saturday. So I think meanwhile, the Port of Los Angeles is, well, you know, Los Angeles officials were working with the ILWU and the PMA and the federal and state and the local authorities, you know, to support the union to return to normal operations because it was really causing some, you know, major disruption. But I think the labor dispute has caused really significant disruptions and forced major retailers to really shift cargo to the east and Gulf Gulf Coast ports. You know, we all call Houston the third coast, the port of Houston. So those Gulf Coast ports, you know, New Orleans, Mobile, Houston, a lot of business that used to go into the West Coast shifted, forced retailers to ship from the east, uh, from the West Coast to the east and Gulf Coast ports. So um, as a result of a lot of things that were going on through last year, and as a result of these negotiations, and the uh, the lack of will for these two ILWU and PMA to come together and get this contract ironed out. Now, um, you know, we have heard that the ILWU and the PMA have reached a tentative agree- agreement on some key negotiation sticking points, but still, the big elephant in the room is the fact of the automation, uh, and they continue to put out all the right verb, you know, right messaging, like, hey, we're committed to resolving this and getting this contract signed and getting it, you know, behind this. But, you know, as you can see, it's, it's a year later and it's still not resolved. So, um, you know, again, that that whole contract's in jeopardy because of the automation clause. And, you know, I think the dispute's really not happening at the worst time for employers and U.S. importers. Uh, because the demand has been really decreasing over the last several months because of the inflation and the changes in the consumer spending. So, uh, you know, a lot of ocean carriers uh, that we know of that they're planning on canceling at least 50 voyages from China between the end of March to the end of April. Uh, And this is multiple carriers. You know, when I talked about blank sailings, they're talking about canceling at least 50 voyages. So that's, that's not... Yeah, that's significant. So when you think about it, it represents a loss of 443,000 20 foot equivalent uh, equipment units, you know, TEUs, 20 foot containers at capacity, including 12 sailings 
just from Yantan International Container Terminal in Shenzhen. So this is how desperate the carriers are to get these rates to store up, uh, stabilize, or go back up. Okay, so they so as they say, they can be more profitable. So. Um, you know, if Jason was here, I know we could throw that around and chew on that a little bit, but you know, we all have to keep in mind that the N10 container terminal in Shenzhen is the largest terminal in China. And this terminal really has traditionally been a key player in South China to North America and European trade lanes. So, you know, the decrease in imports from China in February is down 37% year on year. And has really contributed to this situation, you know, situation. So, you know, you know, wrapping it up, I think with retail inventories in the U.S. remaining high, it's putting a lot of pressure on import demand. We're seeing considerable amount of inventory already available. Retailers are not purchasing as much inventory from overseas. It's only those, you know, those critical commodities and things that they need. So. You know, as a result, the ocean carriers have had to cancel voyages and reduce their capacity to adjust to the decreased demand. So, you know, you know, carriers did just implement a GRI uh, on April 15th. Uh, it's already been pulled back a little bit in the last 48 hours. They weren't able to get the full, you know, uh, six to hundred, six hundred to $800 per FEU on a container. Um, so it's going to be an interesting ride over the summer. We're going to see the carriers doing a lot of saber rattling and trying to get that market to stabilize to a point where they feel they can be profitable, which is going to cause rates to go back up. So you just have to keep tuning in the show, keep working with all of us here at SCS. Um, we're going to help you get through all these times and, that's what we have for you this week. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Jason and I will be back together next week. So stay, stay tuned for our alerts on LinkedIn for next week's subject matter. And as we always say, make it a great day. Make it a great week. We really appreciate everyone's loyalty and tuning into the ship show. Make it a great day, everyone. Take care now.